Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. You know, so far here in the book of Ruth, we've seen many phrases and many verses that stick out in our memories. I, I think of in uh, chapter one when Ruth said, uh, thy God will be my God. And what a powerful thing that was. We saw that in chapter number one when she was talking to Naomi and she says, thy God, my God. That was a powerful thing. We just saw even last week where it, uh, Ruth uh, or Boaz said of Ruth rather, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Uh, that's just a very notable phrase that we find here in the book of Ruth. And Ruth has several of those types of pearls that you find, little verses or little phrases that you find that really stick out in the mind. And I'll be honest with you, tonight's message is another one of those, I call them picture frame verses. They're those kind of verses that you'd have in a picture or maybe knitted on a pillow or something like that. They're one of those verses that you have in mind because there's something very special and very unique about it. It's something that's maybe not worded the same way anywhere else in the Word of God. And it's something that's so unique and such a blessing that it really sticks out in our minds. And this verse that we see in just a few moments out of this little larger passage that we read will be one of those when it speaks of the handfuls of purpose, the handfuls of purpose. And certainly just hearing that phrase without any context whatsoever, you think, well, what on earth is a handful of purpose? That doesn't even seem to make much sense whatsoever. But I'm hoping as we dig deep into it, we realize that it's something that's a great blessing in Ruth's life, but it's also something that is a great blessing for us where we live here and now. So if you could, if you'd stand for the reading of God's word, Ruth chapter number two, we'll begin reading in verse number 13. Again, Ruth chapter two, beginning in verse 13. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou, uh, for that thou hast comforted me and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. And she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And I really want to focus on that phrase that we find in verse number 16 this evening, where it says, And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose. And what seems so small, maybe even inconsequential to us tonight, is actually one of the beautiful pictures in the Word of God of His blessings that we receive in our life. And I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this night and just help us to focus in on your Word. I know it's been a long week, a long weekend for many who are here that have been serving um, for many hours here at this church, even more so than normal. But I pray you help us to focus in and lock in on your Word tonight uh, as we consider these handfuls of purpose and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And we may be seated. Well, you may be seated. I may, I may not be seated. Uh, if I am seated the next few minutes, probably something is wrong. But uh, no, we are, we are, you are seated. I am standing. 
You know, after the text that we explored last week, Ruth begins tonight's passage by thanking Boaz for his generosity. And she says several things in verse number 13. She acknowledges that he has comforted her. Certainly, this woman who was afraid, this woman who is going out into the fields of a place that she's not from, and certainly we saw that there's the possibility of maybe even some animosity from some of the reapers of Bethlehem Judah towards a Moabitish woman who was there reaping among them. But she acknowledges to Boaz, you've comforted me. In fact, beyond that, she says, you've been friendly to me and you've been kind to me. You have shown kindness towards me, someone who is a complete stranger. And she even says, you've taken me in. He says, uh, you have treated me as one of your handmaids, even though I am not one of your handmaids. Saying, even though you could leave me off to the side and just allow me to do that which God has provided within his law for the stranger or for the widow to be able to glean from that which is left over on the ground. He says, you've done more than just your duty. You've taken me in. You've been kind to me. You, you've treated me well. And by the way, this isn't my message tonight, but it's a reminder to us tonight that when we minister to those as we have this weekend through the Back to School Bash or as we bring people into this church as we see our church grow, that we don't just bring people in and say, well, you can come in, but you're of a different class of people because we have these people who are members or these people who have been here a long time. But you, you know, you're someone who hasn't been here very long. You haven't paid your dues or maybe uh, we just don't feel like you fit in like everyone else. No, no, uh, they may not be one of us in the sense that they're not a member of this church, but we can sure treat them well and we can treat them right and show them the love of Christ and, and show them that they'll, they may not be quote unquote one of us as members of the church. Uh, they are one of us in the sense that we're going to bring you in and we're going to love on you as if you are one of us. And who knows what that love and that compassion will do in the life of someone when it's extended to them. Because that's what Boaz did to Ruth. You are not one of my handmaids, but I'm going to treat you like one of my handmaids. I'm going to give you that which you do not deserve to be a blessing. And again, I believe he wasn't doing this simply because he was in love with her and he was trying to woo her. No, no, no. I believe he did this because he saw something in her, a spark uh, that uh, loved God, didn't understand how to have a relationship with God necessarily because she's just new within this walk that she has with the Lord. And, and he sees something in her. There's something precious. There's something sweet. There's, there's something uh, about this, this love for God that she's trying to grow. And he sees that in her and he says, I'm going to foster that in you and I'm going to be a blessing to you. Did he find her beautiful? I have to imagine he did. I mean, come on, let's just get this out for what it is. I'm sure that he found her beautiful, but there was no doubt that his care and compassion to her was much more than, hey, I'm going to find myself a wife and here's a way I'm going to, th you know, throw some grain on the ground and let her pick it up and try to be nice to her. No, no, it's much more than that. Because remember, once again, what we see here is a picture of how God treats us and how God uh, uh, interacts with us even though we don't deserve it. So Ruth acknowledges all of these things. These are results of the kindness of Boaz, that kind kinsman that we talked about a few weeks ago. But then it comes to mealtime. And the Bible says that when it was time to break for a meal, that he also continued to show his great kindness to her. And he didn't have to feed her. He was under no obligation to bring her to his table, but yet he invited her nonetheless. And it says that she sat beside the reapers. Now, I believe in some ways that shows the humility of her. She could have sat among the reapers. She could have been like one of the gang, but yet she said, I'm going to sit with them, but I'm going to sit off to the side of them. I, I know that I'm not one of them. And uh, I believe there was a level of humility in her. There was no expectation of her. There was no uh, a spirit of you're going to give me 
XYZ, such as entitlement or something of that nature. No, no, there's none of that. She says, oh, I'm going to sit at the table, but I'm going to kind of maybe sit off to the side a little bit. I'm going to sit beside. And what's great about that is that at some point during the meal, Boaz beckons her closer. That Boaz says, no, 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 you don't have to sit over there. No, we want you to come among us. And the reason I believe that is because it says in uh, verse number 14, and she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed. Meaning this, at some point, he had to have been close enough to her that he would have been able to hand her some food that was there on the table. And again, I don't believe this was anything else than the great generosity and kindness of Boaz, much as maybe you're at an activity or there's something going on at the church and you see someone who's new or someone that hasn't been, could we put it this way, fully integrated into the group. And you see them off to the side and say, hey, come over here. I want you to sit at our table. Well, but I want to sit with my friends. Well, sure, you want to sit with your friends. And by inviting them over, you might be sitting with one of your friends. Someone who will become your friend in the future. One of the things that I've enjoyed over the last few weeks and months so much is getting to take two people that maybe don't know each other at Liberty and say, oh, hey, do you know this person over here? Do you know this person over here? Even yesterday, I uh, had the ability to, to, to talk to two gentlemen and say, hey, do you know uh, this guy over here? And hey, sir, do you know this guy over here? And they didn't know each other and they get to start talking before you know it. Uh, maybe there's a friendship. W what happened? Hey, come over here. Let's get to know one another. And that's the way a church ought to be. And again, I'm not trying to get off topic, and this isn't necessarily a rabbit trail tonight, but I see that here's a woman that was sitting off to the side, not necessarily part of the group, uh, but there with the group, and he gets to her close enough to be able to say, hey, no, come over here. I want to give you some food. I want to give you something. He hands her parched corn. And I, I did a little bit of research on what that, that could be. And parched corn very likely was corn that had been dried. I mean, that's what the word parched means. And perhaps reconstituted and made uh, into a cake. And uh, maybe we could look at it if you're from Italy, like polenta. All right, good. Or if you're from the South, like cornbread. You know, we could look at it that way, but I, that's the idea. Yeah, so, uh, you know, something along uh, that line. And then vinegar, you know, not really something that we would look at today as being, you know, hey, that's really refreshing. How about that nice uh, uh, glass of vinegar that you pass over here? But the idea is if you're warm and you're hot outside, especially in those kind of times, uh, a little bit of vinegar might actually be refreshing. It might actually enliven you. It could have been the energy drink of the Old Testament times. Who knows? But there was just a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a pick-me-up that could come uh, from that vinegar, just kind of. Uh, awakening your senses and uh, kind of uh, giving you a little bit of, uh, of that awakening. And so that, that's what she was offered. And the Bible says that when that happened, that then she departed at that time. But as she departs, it seems as if you read the beginning of verse number 15, that as she leaves, Boaz calls his men over and he says, see that lady over there that just left? See that Moabitish woman that just left the scene here? I want to tell you a little something about her. We need to take care of her. You, you might understand that her mother-in-law is Naomi. Do you remember Naomi? Do you remember when she came here a few days ago and her name means sweetness? But boy, when she got here, she was bitter. Do you remember how she said her name was Mara? And do you remember how she was? I think we need to help her. I think we need to help Ruth. And I think we need to help Naomi. So here's what we're going to do. And he puts this plan together when he says, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And let her fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So as I look at this text, tonight, I see two things that I want to bring out to you tonight from this text. The first thing is this. I see the generosity of Boaz. 
the generosity of Boaz. And I can see Boaz watching Ruth depart from the table and saying, hey, here's the plan. And the plan would have been twofold. He said this, don't put any restrictions on where she can go and collect the grain. Do you remember that grain was supposed to have been collected at the corners of the fields? That was where the grain was to be collected. And of course, you could tell how generous the person was who owned the field by seeing how big they made the corners because a corner doesn't have to be a certain perimeter. It can be either large or small and it's still a corner. And so I don't know how large Boaz's corners were, but we already saw that he said, just let her go behind the reapers. He's already saying that she could stray from the corner. He says, let her go behind the reapers because as soon as the reapers drop some of that grain, she can be there and she can glean it for herself. Because remember, the law was that if the grain hit the ground, if there was some of that stray grain that went to the ground, they couldn't pick it up. It was there as a way to be able to help the widows and the fatherless and the downtrodden to be able to give them provision. It was their welfare system in the sense that uh, they were able to go and not just collect, but they had to go literally collect and go out there and to take of that. And it was God's way of providing for his people that were able to do so. And then there were some like Naomi that maybe physically couldn't do it herself, but trusted in someone else to go and do the work of the family for her and bring that in. But here's what Boaz is saying. He's going even further than he did just a few minutes ago. He says this, Basically, there's no restrictions to where she can go. If she wants to glean, just go ahead and let her glean. You know, if she wants to go in another part where the sheaves are even bundled already, uh, go ahead and let her go do that. She can go not just in the corner. She doesn't have to go behind the reapers. Just let her go, and if she finds grain, let her take of that grain. But then the other thing that he says, the second prong of this instruction that he gives to his men is the part that's so beautiful, verse number 16, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. Do you see what he's saying here? He says, not only can she glean with the maidens, and not only are there no restrictions, but now the reapers are literally just to throw handfuls of grain on the ground on purpose to allow her to pick it up. That she's not just picking up the scraps, but they're literally putting out extra on the ground to allow her to pick them up. You know, I look at Peyton's age and other age, you know, uh, kids get so excited about change. You know, we're older and a little bit jaded. Look, if there's, if there's a penny on the ground, I pick it up. That's just the way that I am. I have a milk jug at the house. I put it in. When I take it to the uh, bank and get it all turned in, I find out with all those pennies, you know, I can buy a dozen eggs. So, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it's like, hey, we do what we can, you know. But, uh, but, you know, children get really excited about change. And sometimes they just find change loose on the ground sometimes. And, and, and certainly that's exciting. Every once in a while that's the case. Or in our house, uh, uh, you know, Peyton or AJ specifically will find change maybe in the cushions of the sofa or on the ground or something like that. And kids get excited about that. But could you imagine me going around the house and taking a bunch of change from my jug and not just letting her find a dime, but purposely scattering it all over the house? just so she could find, oh yeah, you got excited. Hey, hey, welcome. Yeah, welcome to church, Peyton. All right, uh, could you imagine? Does that sound like fun, Peyton? Yeah, it'll never happen. All right, so, um, but uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, yeah, well, I'm on the record now. But uh, but just scattering it around the house. And it, you know, the joy that she would have. I mean, look, she's happy just thinking about it. The joy that she would have. Look, at she doesn't understand it. She doesn't know how it got there. She just knows it's there and I'm gonna pick it up. You know, 
Boaz wasn't demeaning her. Do you realize that he could have literally just handed her the grain? But he is allowing, we'll get to this in just a minute, but he's allowing her dignity to be put in place by saying, listen, don't let her know this. Let's just put some extra out there. Let's give her some blessings and allow her to be able to pick it up. And God is providing through Boaz's hand to her these handfuls of purpose. We could even say it this way, I believe without changing the word of God, they're handfuls that are put there on purpose. That sometimes the grain as it was gathered would go to the ground on accident. Because, well, when you're handling the grain and you're working with the sheaves and all that stuff, some of the grain's naturally going to fall to the ground unless you are very careful and you're so careful that you're actually reducing production by being so careful, making sure that not one grain falls to the ground. But it says beyond that, now we're not just letting it fall to the ground. We're throwing extra on the ground. You know why? Because he wants to show his care and compassion for Ruth. Handfuls of purpose. In fact, he's telling his workers to be less efficient to help this woman. Hey, guys, you know the job I told you to do? Don't do it as well. Help this lady out. Now, can we take a moment and remind ourselves tonight that when we look at Boaz in the Word, and you may not understand all that this means yet, and we'll look at it more, especially as we get into chapter 4, but Christ is our kinsman redeemer just as Boaz is the kinsman redeemer of Ruth. As we look at this great account here, and this is not a parable, mind you. This is a very real story with very real people, but we can see some parallels to a parable in the sense there's a lot of lessons to be learned here uh, and a lot of imagery that is here for us, even in the story about real people. But we see Jesus Christ as our kinsman redeemer. Uh, Psalm 68 verse 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Selah. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That, that, that verse is so amazing. It's one of my favorite verses of the Bible. It's not just that he does exceeding. It's not just that he does abundant. But he also does above. Look, that which we ask or think, if we said that we, he did above what we ask or think, that would be good. If we said that he did exceeding of what we ask or think, that would be great. If we said that he did abundantly of what we ask or think, that would be wonderful. But he does exceeding abundantly above three times uh, that is told to us. And we see there's a, a wonderful connection with that number three that is there for us that he does in such an amazing way that, that, that there's, there's this wonderful benefit that is given to us by Christ, the kinsman redeemer, who does so much for us. First Timothy 1.14, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, uh, which is in Christ Jesus. So what do we see tonight? That there are times in our life that God doesn't just blesses us, but he with superabundance blesses us far beyond that which we deserve. And we, let's, let's be honest, we don't deserve anything from him. We don't deserve the least of his mercies. We don't deserve the least of his graces. But yet God, at times and seasons in our lives, doesn't just bless us, but he blesses us with handfuls of purpose. He gives us far beyond anything that we could even imagine. And sometimes we feel like God maybe isn't paying attention to us. And sometimes we feel like God may not actually see where we are or what we're doing. 
And what it is, is we could be missing the handfuls of purpose that he's throwing out for us. And what we need to do is instead of shaking our fist up at him in the sky and look down and see, wow, look at all that God left for me. You know what I got to do? Pick it up. I got to pick it up. There's so much that he gives us that we don't deserve. Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. By the way, he's under no obligation to supply you your wants. Now, that's not as popular as I thought it would be, but, uh, you know, it's true. He's under no obligation to supply us our wants, but he is obligated to supply our needs. You know why? Because he's promised us he would supply our needs. It's not because he has to. It's because he promised he would. And because he's obligated himself to us, he will provide for our needs. Matthew 6, 31 and 32. I referenced this yesterday when I was preaching to the young people and their parents. Matthew 6, 31 and 32. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And what does he do? He doesn't just bless us. He blesses us with handfuls of purpose. By the way, he doesn't just clothe us, but he clothes us well. He doesn't just feed us. He feeds us well. Uh, he, he doesn't just give us drink. We're allowed to drink well. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Do you realize that here, even where we live, that we have access to clean and pure and free water at any time that we want? Now, you wouldn't realize it because we buy so much bottled water uh, that uh, that would be the case. But look, compared to most places in the world, like we talked about this morning, most places in the world, God has provided us clean and free, not free, but you understand very close to free drinking water. He's provided us food. Listen, there's a time maybe in all of our lives where we've eaten beans and rice and then the next meal you had rice and beans. There's the time in Pastor Turner's life, he used to say that he used to have dried beef gravy without the dried beef. You know, we've all had those times and seasons in our life. But even then, God fed us. But beyond that, he's given us handfuls of purpose. Most of us, even when we talk about inflation and things like that, and listen, those are real things. I'm not trying to diminish that or say that it's of no consequence whatsoever. But do we realize that most of us sit here tonight with pantries that are full? That's God's handfuls of purpose. That most of us have clothes to the point that we had to make a real decision of what we were going to wear this morning. That's God's handfuls of purpose. And that's just talking about what God talked about in Matthew chapter 6. God has been so generous and benevolent to us and has gifted us. And sometimes we just need to be reminded God's been good to us. And it's not just that God has been good to us. He's been really good to us. Better than we deserve. You say, well, pastor, my bank account doesn't have much. Well, is it in the black? God's been good to you. You say, well, pastor, my bank account's in the red. Well, do you have provision to be able to have funds at some point to be able to bring that back into the black and to be able to provide for those needs? Or maybe God is providing for your needs through someone else at this juncture in your life. Because remember, the Bible says uh, that he's going to give pressed down. Uh, shall men, the Bible says, give unto your bosom. Meaning this, that there are times that people will give to you and God uses them as the vessel to be able to give you the handfuls of purpose. I remember right not long after Diane and I got married, we got into some financial trouble. And again, it was nothing related to anything we had done. And it's just uh, where we were being in Bible college and all of these different things. And I remember that someone gave us a small sum of money. It wasn't very big, but it was a blessing. And it came at just a time that we needed it. 
And I expressed to my Sunday school teacher, his name was Russ Bishop. Some of you remember him. He came for the fifth anniversary of the church uh, with a church in Tulsa. Just a, a, a big stocky guy. He used to play linebacker for, I believe it was uh, Central Oklahoma State uh, Directional School University, somewhere around there, but played college football. Just a, made a, a great guy, uh, an incredible man, and, and a wonderful preacher. And he taught me the fact that he said this. I said, I, I'm just, I don't feel right about someone giving us money. I don't feel right about that. He says, he says, do you not like the Bible? And I said, well, I mean, that's a sorry question to ask. I mean, well, of course I like the Bible. He says, well, God, provi- God promised that sometimes he would give in an abundance. Remember, pressed down and shaken, so much so that you kind of had to get it in there. It says, so that men give unto your bosom, that God would use other people at times to be the handfuls of purpose in our life. And so sometimes God gives us, I believe, from the bakeries of heaven, like the manna that fell down. And sometimes it's God using someone else to give us a loaf of bread. But honestly, it's all from Him. And it's all handfuls of purpose. And God is willing to do that in our lives, just like the generosity of Boaz. But I don't just see the generosity of Boaz. I see also, number two, the genius of Boaz. The genius of Boaz. And here's something to consider from these verses, and specifically verse number uh, 15, where it talks, or 16 rather, where it talks of the handfuls of purpose. And I alluded to this just a few moments ago. He could have just handed her the barley. He could have just gotten a vessel and put in a few ephahs and handed it to her and say, hey, Ruth, hey, don't trouble yourself. It's a hot day. Don't worry. These dopes over here, they've been giving you a hard time today. Here is a basket full of grain, complimentary from the fields of Boaz. You take it home, make you some bread, Put your feet up the rest of the day and enjoy yourself because Boaz, (laughs) he's here to help you. And he's going to take care of you. No, he could have done that. But he didn't. And the genius of this plan, no, the, the plan of the handfuls of purpose, the genius of this plan was much like the genius of God's system to take care of the poor in the first place that you find in the books of Moses. And it's this, it took the faithfulness of the person in need to activate the blessings of the giver. It took the faithfulness of the person in need to activate the blessings of the giver. Meaning this, oh, you hungry? You need some grain? There's a field out there. Are your legs working? Are your arms working? Are you in good health? The blessings are there. You just go to go out in the field and harvest. And the dignity that Boaz allowed uh, uh, Ruth, that's her name, Ruth, the dignity allowed her to go out and do the work herself. He would have bypassed the lessons that she needed to learn, would have bypassed all of the things that needed to be accomplished in her life if he literally just handed her a sack of grain. Wouldn't it be great if God just gave you a check when you were 21 years old and said, hey, just hold on to this for the rest of your life. You know, you just just spend it little bits at a time and there'll be enough here for the rest of your life. I don't know anyone who that's happened to. In fact, I will say quite the opposite, that in the cases where people win the lottery, and I could give you story after story, I've looked up some in the past, where there are people who got a lump sum so much so 
that they didn't need to lift a finger the rest of their life. And most people said this testimony, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. It's the worst thing that ever happened to me. Why? Because you bypass the need to go and work. You bypass the need to go and do. Everything's just given to you. And before you know it, you don't even recognize the handfuls of purpose that are in your life. And you have completely changed because of this trajectory that your life has been on. No, he could have handed this to her and said, just go on your way every day. A servant will come to your house with grain. It'll be on your doorstep every morning. Everything you need is there. But no, Ruth had to be faithful in her life. And the more faithful she was in her life, the more grain she received. No, no, this isn't weird. What if she, after lunchtime, she said this, I'm just going to go home. She went back out in the field. What if she said after lunch, I'm just going to go home? Well, she would have been hungry because the blessings were there on the ground, but she wouldn't have been there to pick them up. What if after that day's work was done, she said, you know, Boaz seems like a nice guy, but uh, I bet there's probably better fields out there than Boaz's field. I might as well just go somewhere else. Well, she may have gone somewhere else, but the grain that was there for her would have remained on the ground and she wouldn't have received it. And the genius of the system of Boaz, which oftentimes is the same as the genius of the system that God has for us, is that the handfuls of purpose were blessings, uh, and these handfuls of purpose were only blessings if she was actively out in the field and working. Now listen, God blesses our life sometimes, and we so don't deserve it. And there's a word for that. Grace. Grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't do something to get it. He just does it. By the way, that's what salvation is. When you add a work element, we're not talking about salvation. We're not drawing a parallel. Hey, you work hard enough. You'll end up being saved. Well, no, we see for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. No, no, that's not what we're talking about here today. Well, you know, you just keep your nose clean. You do enough good stuff. Eventually God will... He'll let you in. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Quite the opposite of that. But I would also admit to you that there are many blessings of God, although they are all elements of grace to those blessings because we don't deserve anything from him. But there are certain blessings that he has reserved for those who are willing to go out in the field and do the work. And if you go out in the field and you do the work, you will find that he will bless your work with a superabundance far beyond anything that you could do for yourself. And the reason why is as you are faithfully working in the harvest field, that he will just throw out handfuls of purpose. You just be faithful to him. No, no, you just be faithful to him. And you will find the more faithful you are to him, the more handfuls of purpose you find. No, this isn't health and wealth stuff. No, I'm not talking about th those weird lines of doctrine that you hear from the health and wealth preachers and all of those things, those charlatans who are out there. That's not what I'm talking about at all because we understand that there are hardships that come in the Christian life when you're faithful. Ask Paul. He was the worst health and wealth preacher there ever was. The more he preached, the more faithful he was, the worse his health and his wealth was. But even in the midst of his times of having great difficulty, he would say this. Boy, God's been throwing handfuls of purpose down for me. God's bring me, brought me to people who would take care of me, people who would minister with me, 
He brought me to the right people to preach to at the right times. And even in times of great difficulty and great turmoil in his life, it was very obvious that as he was faithful, God was throwing out handfuls of purpose. It doesn't just mean that someone gives you money. It doesn't just mean that really good things come your way, like you're opening up a fortune cookie or something like that. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that in the midst of life, when you realize, when you don't think that God is actually at work, you realize not only is it God at work, but he's done far greater than I could even expect if I drew it up myself. If I drew up the story of my life myself, it would not be as good as the handfuls of purpose that God has put down for me. But you know what it requires? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. You realize when you give to God, handfuls of purpose come back. You know, biblical tithing and biblical giving teaches us that the more you give, the more handfuls of purpose you find. It would be so easy to save your tithe. But I can tell you it would be the worst financial mistake you'd ever make. And by the way, we don't give just because of finances. I give because it's what God has told us to do. But the blessing is the more I give, the more it comes back. I don't know about you, but it comes a faith promise every year. And, and I feel like, you know what, at some point, we got to stop this. We got to stop giving emissions because this does not seem like we can keep going. It just doesn't seem like that. I mean, am I supposed to just keep giving a little bit more for the rest of my life? I mean, how's that supposed to work? And it seems like the more I give, the more handfuls of purpose I find. Because as you are faithful, God will continue to give those handfuls of purpose. You just got to be ready to pick them up and give again. Pastor, it's too much time at church. It's just, I mean, it's, it's too much. It's, it's, I mean, Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and then you have like back to school activities and then picnics and all these things. And if I, if I don't come, I know you're going to come after me. You're going to find me. And so it's so much time at church. You know, and again, I, I, we don't want to be abusive in the amount of time that we have on our calendar for people at church. We, we want to be careful about it. Listen, we're not having organized soul wing on Saturday because I want to make sure that we're careful in how much we ask you of being here. I, I do know that and I do understand that and I do hear that. But at the same time, can I tell you that as I obey God and I find myself more in the house of God, I realize the more that I'm here, the more blessings I receive. As I'm faithful to God's house and I'm faithful to God's service, do you realize the more that I do that, the more I receive? And what a joy it is. What about prayer? Well, I tell you, if you pray for about 30 seconds a day, you're going to miss a lot of the handfuls of purpose that God has for you. You know what are the greatest joys of the prayer life is to know that you've been praying for someone or you've been praying for something and you have been striving in intercessory prayer. And when you find out their prayer request comes to pass, you know this, you know, I've been praying for that. No, no, it's not just that Susie was praying for it. And it's not just that Billy was praying for it. I was praying for that. And the fact that it came to pass, you know what? That's a handful of purpose in your account that you get to receive a blessing from. The more you were faithful in prayer, the more blessings you harvest. I, I, I think of this and I was, uh, oh, by the way, that, that doesn't mean there's always an equality. Well, you put in and you get back. You put in, you get back. It, it's always equal. No. Sometimes you put in time and effort and you feel like maybe the Lord doesn't give you exactly what you deserve. And then you turn around and all of a sudden, boom, the handfuls are there. And by the way, you want to talk about equality. God gives back to us far greater than what we give to him. <laughs> you want to talk about equality. It's not fair on our end and how we invest to him. Talk about the other way around. Come on. But I think about the handfuls of purpose. 
It's funny, I was thinking about this. I was just talking before the, the church about this, uh, before service. Fifty-some kids uh, are here yesterday. You know, ministerially speaking, there was 150, 250. By next year, we'll be saying 500 people were on the property. I don't know. Uh, it'll grow. But no, I don't know. It was, it was well over 100 people that were on the property yesterday. As, as many people as I've ever seen in this building hearing the gospel at one time, because we had all the chairs filled, we brought chairs out from the back, and we had kids sitting on the ground. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Did you know not one of them came back this morning? I'll be honest with you, when I was leaving this morning, there was a little bit of thought in my mind. We gave out 50 backpacks, and not one of them came to church today. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't think like that. Some of you are thinking the same thing. Now, nobody told me this. I had no conversation with this, but I know people, and I know myself. But I'm thinking, we put out money and effort, and nobody showed up. And then it was as, as if the Holy Spirit just as quickly said, Adam, because the Holy Spirit doesn't call me pastor. He called me, he said, Adam, Adam. There were 50 people here today. By the way, the same amount of backpacks that we gave away yesterday. And beyond that, did you know, Peyton, will you stop playing with that, please? Thank you. Uh, you know what I also found out or, 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 found, or figured out after church? There were two people that were here today that have visited over the last two weeks. Nobody invited. There's a lady sitting right behind where Miss Ruth is, right next to where Miss Marsha is. She found our website about a month ago. She emailed the church while I was on vacation. Didn't come right away, but she has a, a job that she works nights and she works at, uh, at a hospital and was able to come today. There was not one person that knocked on her door. There's not one person that gave her a track. There's not one person that had an interaction with her. There was not one person who told her, go to mylibertybaptistchurch.org. You know what ended up happening? She was a handful of purpose. And there's a man that's sitting in the back right near where Brother Tim is that came this morning. He came last Sunday. Wonderful man, wonderful spirit. He told me today, he says, I got a King James Bible, but I got it on Amazon, and so I can't read it because it's this small. <laughs> I, said, I said, we should be giving away pens and magnifying glasses. So, um, but he came today. There's not one of any of us that ever handed him a track. Nobody invited him. But he showed up here. Well, well how was that? Well, I could tell you, humanly speaking, how it was. Or I could tell you this. It was just a handful of purpose from God. Do you know what? We were faithful out here on this parking lot, ministering to people, some children almost going into anaphylactic shock. Okay, it wasn't that bad, but close. Those, those yellow, yellow jackets were pretty nasty. We were ministering to them. Whether they come or not ever, we leave that to the Lord. Now, by the way, we have all their information. You better believe we're following up with every single one of them until they throw us off their doorstep. And that'll come in the future. Every single family, I think 35 or 40 families ended up signing up. We have all of their information. So, so, I, so we don't discount that. But do you realize what happened today was God saying, you know, you sowed over here, there was nothing, but I'm going to throw out a handful of purpose over here. And God does it. But do you know why? I have to believe if we weren't faithful yesterday, then maybe we don't see that today. Does it just so happen that in the last maybe nine months or so, particularly after Brother Townsley came and visited us and did that church audit, that we've done more activities? 
Some of you went out and visited people you've never visited people before. Or you went out with a bag of donuts or a bag of cookies and you gave them to somebody that you were afraid to talk to about the gospel, but you went and invited them anyway. And, and they probably didn't even come to church. What's up with that? Well, do you realize that just by being faithful out in the fields, you might think that you're gathering over here, but it ends up when you're picking at the grain here one at a time, God says this, hey, because you're being faithful, watch this. And throws the abundance over here. I don't know about you, but that's mighty encouraging. That if we're just faithful in serving Him, you say, well, are the results going to be equal to our faithfulness? No. It's going to be far greater. And that's grace. That's grace. Now, I want to be careful, again, about saying that grace and works mix together because we know that they don't. But when it comes to the blessings of God in our life, get out there. Be faithful. Do what He's called you to do. Give. Pray. Minister. Serve. Do those things He's called us to do. And as we do so, you will see the blessings of God. You know, if you invited someone to church and they come, you feel a joy that no one else in this building feels. You know why? Because you were the one that invited them. I don't know I'm saying pride in the sense of, of a vanity or something like that, but, but almost a humility that you're humbled that God would use you to bring someone to church or to the ministry of Jesus. But you never get that handful of purpose if you're not out in the field first and doing the labor that God has called you to do. Well, I mean, what do we got to do? Well, just be faithful. Will, will the results be there? Well, maybe not when you expect them. But when they come, it's going to be far greater than anything you could have done on your own. Well, why doesn't he just bring people and just make it that way? You know why? Because there's some lessons he's got to teach us out in the fields. There's some things we got to know and learn and grow as we're out there being faithful. And as we do so, he brings a super abundance through his handfuls of purpose. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in His Word.